You're listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. Bridges is a house church movement meeting in homes all across Music City. To find a house church near you or to find other ways to support or get involved, go to bridgesnashville.com. Thank you so much for joining us for our third Sunday devotional. My name is Patrick McDermott. I'm the worship pastor here at Bridges, and it's a rhythm of our church that we meet every third Sunday night at the Listening Room Cafe, 6 p.m. for a night of worship and prayer. It's always been an incredible rhythm for us because it brings together our family and our community to just kind of represent the kingdom of God a little bit better. So join us at 6 p.m. for prayer, worship, and just a time that we get to rest in God's presence. But before that, we want to take a moment and dive into a devotional on 1 Timothy 6, closing out our series, The Good Fight. So let's jump in. On March 5th, 2008, Forbes released an article titled, The World's Top Billionaires. And for the past 13 years, it had been pretty much the same with Bill Gates being number one spot. But this year, it was a little different. It came through to shake up the ground and say that Bill Gates was now number two behind a guy by the name of Warren Buffett. The honor now belonged to him, and it caught a lot of people off guard because Bill Gates, the founder of Microsoft, had been running for a long, long time with that title. However, Warren Buffett, he definitely worked for a long time to get to this. So he started investing into the stock market and starting businesses from age 13 and paying his first tax return at age 14, paying taxes of only $7, but everything starts with little. Needless to say, he was driven towards making a fortune. Fast forward to when he was 35 years old, he took over Berkshire Hathaway, which ended up becoming the most successful stock holding company in the United States. And as of last year, making over $270 billion a year, a lot of money. However, Buffett always chose countercultural ways to chase after each of these endeavors. From the moment that he started making so much money, he knew he wanted to be different than all these people on that Forbes list that he ended up topping. So in 2006, he pledged to distribute all of his ownership of the company to charities and philanthropic ventures by the end of his life. And knowing that most of his net worth, over 99%, is made up of his stock holding in that, it's shown to be a lot. And he went on to even call the rest of the people on the Forbes list and encourage them to do the same. When asked about it, he said, if you're in the luckiest 1% of humanity, it's your duty to the rest of humanity to take care of the 99%. As we're closing out this series, we'll jump into the end of 1 Timothy, starting with verses 17 through 19, which say this. It says, Instruct those who are rich in the present age not to be arrogant or to set their hope on the uncertainty of wealth, but on God, who richly provides us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do what is good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and willing to share, storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of what is truly life. Here, Paul gives Timothy a few final warnings and heedings to what it means to have wealth in this life. You know, Pastor Chris talked about this a little bit on First Sunday, going back to verse 10, which has the famous phrase, the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Now, so many times you may have heard this taken out of context that money is evil, but nowhere in the Bible does it really say that. And this verse actually takes a different approach from verse 10 because back then Paul was talking about to the people who are chasing after wealth, chasing after money, whereas here it's talking about the people who already have that wealth, which were left out from the previous section. However, let's go back to those four instructions that Paul gives. It says, Do not be arrogant. Do not set your hope on the uncertainty of wealth and only God. Do what is good and be generous and willing to share. 
Let's break those down a little bit. So first off, do not be arrogant. The biggest downfall finding in wealth and social status is pride. And what that may look like, it can look different for every single person. And yes, there is a sense of achievement in wealth. I mean, for instance, Warren Buffett, he worked hard from the time he was a child to get to where he is today. That being said, pride can follow closely behind with that. And easily, there's no room for pride in the kingdom of God and in our calling. So Jesus even rebuked this in Luke 18 through 24, 18, 24 through 25, where he says, How hard is it for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, he wasn't talking about the money they had. He wasn't talking about their social status or their wealth. He was talking about the pride that came with it. That was their true downfall. It wasn't even the inheritance or anything. It was the mindset they had behind it. The second point he makes was don't set your hope in wealth, but only God. Wealth and riches not only lead to pride, but it can also lead to the idea of being self-sufficient. When the answer to all of your problems is just paying off whatever's in your way, you lose the necessity of a faith in a God that can save us from anything. If you put all of your hope into that, an earthly idea and an earthly mindset, then when the earth feels like it's falling down around you, the foundation is going to come down too. So put your faith and your hope in God, our firm foundation. Mark 10, 21, Jesus explains this well in the story of the rich young ruler. He goes on to say, you lack one thing. Go and sell all you have and give to the poor. You will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. This ties in perfectly with the third instruction, which was to do good. We're called to do good works in everything and any situation with what we're given. You know, it's not our point of salvation, but it's our action afterwards. Ephesians 2.10, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We were created in Christ to do those good works and glorify God our Creator. So if we're taking this time on earth and just wasting it away by chasing after fame or glory or social status, whatever that may look like, then we're wasting our time. And finally, be generous and willing to share. Paul continually references a principle of equality and being fair to one another. In 2 Corinthians 8, 14 through 15, Paul says, At the present time, your surplus is available for their need, so that their abundance may in turn meet your need, in order that there may be equality. The person who had much did not have too much, and the person who had little was not lacking. Now, this is kind of the perfect example of community supporting one another. Here, Paul tells the Corinthians to help support one another in whatever they may need, work together to help everyone succeed to a final goal. And a common philosophy in today's day and age is a penny saved is a penny earned. Or, but I think Paul flips it on his head and says, a penny shared is a penny earned. If you don't take anything else away from this message, get this. When we are given abundantly, God wants us to continue to give abundantly in return. And when we discuss tithing, for instance, we bring up Romans 12.1, where it says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, Give your bodies as living sacrifice, for this is true and perfect worship. A pastor once told me, we are blessed to bless others. We are given to give. And these verses from 1 Timothy are a call to Timothy to quit chasing after what we don't have and start utilizing what we've already been given. So closing out from this book, Paul gives another blessing and benediction by saying this in verses 20 and 21. Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you avoiding irreverent and empty speech and contradictions from what is falsely called knowledge. By professing it, some people have departed from the faith. Grace be with you all.
Not only is Paul saying to guard what has been entrusted or given to you, but also to avoid slandering others and bringing them down for what God has already been speaking to them. You know, it's almost frightening when he goes on to say that some people who have professed the false speech and contradictions have departed from faith entirely. If that doesn't scare us into the right mindset, then I don't know what will. Listen, Paul didn't care about the amount of money or the social status or wealth that anyone had. Timothy was going to speak into these people and he needed to know that it was about what they've been given, whether that's time, talents, or treasures. More than anything, Paul saw the potential in each person and challenged them to seek out their calling in the kingdom. This whole passage isn't just aimed at rich people. I know it sounded like that from the beginning, but it's to anyone that was willing to listen. God has given us each special qualities that make us who we are, and it's our identity in Christ that we are finding with that. As we close, I wanted to pose the question, what has God entrusted you with? What has he given to you to give back to the kingdom? Maybe that's a passion. Maybe that's your job. Maybe it's a hobby that you've picked up or just a talent that you may not even have discovered yet. In James 1.17, James goes on to say, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. What is that gift in your life? Maybe it's something you haven't even discovered yet. But just know that God has given you passions, has given you a heart for something on this earth because he wants to work through you. You know, whether it's like you're Warren Buffett and you're called to be a selfless giver, or maybe you're the only person in the room that could reach that close family or friend. These gifts are for the glory of God and to pour back into the kingdom. And without chasing after those, we're chasing after the wrong thing. We are blessed to bless others and we are given to give. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. To stay up to date on everything going on at Bridges, you can find us online at facebook.com slash Bridges Nashville or at Bridges Nashville on Instagram.